Hey friends, this week is part two of my conversation with Mo Isom and Brittany Prazen. On this episode, we talk a lot about intimacy with God through the Holy Spirit. I don't know about you, but sometimes I can get so caught up in what is going on in my day-to-day life that I lose sight of the fact that I am actually a citizen of heaven. The truest part of who I am is in another world, in the spirit realm. Colossians 3, 3 and 4 says, For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. It helps to be reminded of these things often. Many of you know I have a special needs son. I have created a playlist for him on Spotify, and he's allowed to listen to those particular songs. One of those songs is I Can Only Imagine, and I cry just about every single time we listen to it. We can't even fully comprehend what it's going to be like, right? I cry because it's such a good reminder that, like I said, my real life and my truest identity is anchored in a completely different world. If you are a believer, you know that the power and the penalty of sin was dealt with at the cross. It's not until Christ comes again and is reigning that we will be set free from the presence of sin. We don't even, we can't even fathom what effects sin has in this world that we're currently living in. So I want you to join me in the second part of my conversation with Mo and Brittany. And my, my deepest heartfelt desire for you is that you would have a, an intimate relationship with God. I'm Julie Holmquist, and you're listening to Kairos Moments, a place where we talk about the significant moments in life that have the potential to change everything. Remember, a Kairos moment is when God moves, we respond, and everything changes. This is episode number 21. There's my conversation with Mo and Brittany. He's the greatest delight and the greatest mystery. And the invitation to intimacy is to know him more every one of our days. That when we are old, we would be more on fire and aflame than we, you know, have ever been versus many retire to. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. A lot in their age. So that's sort of what I would. I mean, what does Joel say about the old man? He will, the young men will see visions. I don't remember the exact verse, but yeah. Yeah. So it's like, even in our old age, God has plans for us. There's no retirement. in Right. That's good. Right. Right. Uh, I think too, not only, um, you know, is it a downfall of, of mankind to want control and things of that nature, but I also think there's some sort of agenda that the enemy has in, in, in knowing already that it's effective to, to lock people in sort of a religious mindset of, I mean, we saw that in the old Testament. That's what Jesus came to rebuke and and call out of people is like, you're doing all of these tasks and you're doing all of these works, but your heart is far from God. And those, those things and those tasks and those laws were actually designed to bring you closer in intimacy to the Lord, but you're just doing it to attain for yourself. And I feel like we do the same you know, Ecclesiastes says that there's nothing new under the sun. I feel like we do the same, we do the same now. And I feel like the enemy has 
an agenda because he knows that it's effective to keep people locked um, within within religious strongholds and and thinking these are people who think oh my eternity's set I know exactly where I'm going I I am a professed Christian I did the communion I did the confirmation I did the whatever whatever and and thinking that those are the things that earn you uh, a, a seat with God but um, y- you know. I'm not one to, to play play a judge, but um, I just see a lot of people getting getting locked in that like sort of religious. Um, I'm doing things, you know, works of the flesh, trying to appease the leadership the, of mankind, and not trying to actually commune with God and make it about um, intimacy with with the Holy Spirit, intimacy with the Father. And I think um, I think the enemy knows it, it's it's effective to keep people locked there. Because they 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 wouldn't challenge it then because they think they're already set they think they're already on their way yeah, to heaven. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, so they're not. So they're you know, mm-hmm. I think I think Satan probably delights in that. I think so too, and I think there might be an element of fear, and which goes back to the control. If they're if they like surrender to the Holy Spirit, what is that going to look like? Am I going to have to go to Africa? Am I going to have to shave my head? You know, whatever else comes up in your mind, but probably a little bit of fear too. And there's been, to be honest, there's been some um, abuse of the Holy Spirit, if I can say it that way, you know, and so people see that and they're like, I don't want any of that. Right, right. But then when they get connected to the real Holy Spirit and he empowers them and, you know, all the purposes that you guys are going to talk about in your series, well, that you did talk about in your series, empowering Mm -hmm. them um, and just convicting them of their sin. It's it's more than just I'm set for heaven. It's like we're missing out on a lot more if we don't have him in our lives. Yeah. 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 Great invitation of the gospel too, is that kingdom comes here on earth as it will be in heaven. And the truth we can experience and are even commissioned to bring kingdom here. Well, that means we hold the great invitation to experience his kingdom presence here. I think often of um, Matthew 7, as it speaks of those who, it says not all who, you know, mm-hmm. proclaim Lord, Lord will enter the kingdom of heaven. And these people argue back, wait, <laughs> wait, we prophesied and we perform miracles and we cast demons. So it's clear these aren't non-believers arguing back. These are those who... Um, believed and to some degree professed his name. And he says, um, I never knew you away from me, you workers of lawlessness. And this hung me up for quite a while. And until I, I, the Holy Spirit illuminated, knew this word, I never knew you. In the Hebrew, it's yada. It is intimacy. It's the deepest form of intimacy. It's actually the same word used in the text, if it said, you know, and Joseph had not yet known Mary or the man took and knew his wife, mm-hmm. it is this deep mm-hmm. intimacy that we speak, you know, you talk about the fear piece. Well, the word says that um, if, you know, when we, f- we fear on the day of judgment, then, then his love has not been perfected mm-hmm. in us, that perfect love casts out fear. And so if we see the very words of Christ saying basically an essential key here, what things rest on is 
knowing me intimately, being known by me, that, that you could perform all the signs and wonders and miracles. You could have, you could be very spiritual in, in many ways or have, you know, much occur. But if we've avoided the deep heart work that God desires to do in us, and we failed to love the Lord, our God with all mm-hmm. and love our neighbor as ourselves, we're essentially workers of lawlessness because those are the two greatest commands. Yeah. And to know God, an intimacy with him leads us to both of those things. And whatever it takes, God, whatever you call. Again, I don't count the cost. I, I, I will worship in the gain of knowing you, abiding in you, obeying you, because I have you, kingdom come here. Mm-hmm. And that transforms the way I love others and invites them into this very kingdom presence on earth as it will be in heaven. And so, man, there's a lot that's going to come our way, but I won't tremble on the day of judgment because I've already laid prostrate at your feet now. And when we can understand that intimacy and that love he desires with us, and that it's going to deconstruct and disorient some stuff we knew, it's going to flip tables in our temple. But that is when we start to come into the greater understanding, I believe, of like, Fear doesn't get this grip or hold on me. What I'm experiencing with him is so much greater than what I thought it was, what I moved in, the rote, religious, you know, what we've made of him that actually keeps our hearts far oftentimes. And once it's like, come taste and see, the word says. And once you've tasted and seen, you're like, oh, I could never go back. It's too rich, even but if you yet, feel. I think God does call us to go back, not back to our mm-hmm. old ways, but. I have in my heart lately how he wants us to return to our first love. Yeah. Yeah. Just when we first got saved, like Mo, you were talking about, you were everything. It was consuming your mind and your um, everything about you. It was consuming you. And it was like, I want that back. You know, I don't, even though I have kids and, you know, bills and all that stuff, I never want to take him for granted in that way. I want to go back to my first love when I couldn't get enough of the word, you know, late into the evening, reading my Bible. And I just sometimes other things, they're not bad things. They're my kids or, you know, my husband or whatever, but they kind of crowd out that space sometimes. Mm -hmm. And it's like, Oh, I I just want that back. Yeah. So he's, he's calling his bride back to her first love. Definitely. And um, I just, I think that's a good place to be that when you talked about the word yada, And, you know, Adam knew Eve and she gave birth. It's like when we're intimate with him, he births something inside of us. Exactly. And it's a process, you know, but it's all for his glory. And something I want to talk about real quick. I know we're running out of time, but um, one of you said repentance brings revival. And you talked about repentance is just cleaning out the stuff in our heart that's not pleasing to him. And it, it just was profound how when we repent and we give those things to him, we're making more room for him to occupy. Yeah. Exactly. So tell me a little bit more about repentance brings revival. And where do you see, how will you know when we're in revival in this world? Yeah, that's great. Um, I think just what you said, repentance is sort of the cleansing that happens before God can dwell and fill the temple and then commission out and, and do the, the work of revival. There has to be a breaking of things like strongholds over your life. Things like, 
things that will actually inhibit you from from bringing revival, from actually doing the commissioned work of ministry. And I, I can speak from a very real and raw place in that. Like I have seen how ministry is affected if like you can't get over this heart issue or if you can't um, you can't you can't give up that part of your your spirit to the Lord because then it, it will just you just won't be as effective as, as the Lord will, will have hoped, but it's more than God desires revival and more than he just desires us to operate in, you know, the prophetic or in signs and wonders or in um, anything. He wants our temples to be clean. Heaven will not be heaven. If there's any evil that makes it up there, heaven will not be heaven. If there's any, it, you know, form of immorality that hasn't been worked out in our hearts. And I know that, you know, when Jesus comes back, we'll have a whole new body, new, will be new, new in a, in a way that we're, we can't achieve here on, on earth, um, right, right in this moment. But there has to be this, a uh, uh, yielding to him to be, to just say, Lord, I know that I'm dirty and I'm not ashamed of it. And I'm not going to run away and hide. I'm going to allow you to do the hard work of cleaning it. Even if this is a stronghold that has been on my life for 23 years, even if this is something that I've had my, you know, since birth, you got to work that out because that's a character flaw that needs to go. Because if I still have that while I'm trying to operate in ministry, while I'm trying to minister to someone, you know, like that selfish spirit is going to come out and I'm going to see like, no, I would rather worry about myself than minister to that person who needs it. Um, that, I think I think more more than God even desires the revival. We we want to sit and pray around like God, like bring your spirit. We want to see signs and wonders. We want to see you know miracles like the Old Testament. More than He desires that, He's like first first clean house, first clean that stuff because you you can't you can't you need to empty yourself and make yourself available to to the Spirit of God doing that work. And when we are faithful to do it, when we are actually faithful to do that hard work of God, I surrender all this to you, even if it's hard, even if I feel like I'm exposing too much of myself and I am so out of my comfort zone. When we're faithful, faithful to do that, he, he will cleanse you and he will deliver you of things that you've been struggling with your whole life, things that you've been struggling with for, you know, decades. Um, and then, and then make a testimony out of it and then use it to help other people who have struggled with that same problem. Um, so I, I think, we we've just been in a, in a deep process, both Mo and I, both our whole ministry uh, of just clean cleansing and, and pruning and realizing that it's, it's not a bad thing. It's actually incredibly holy. And it's because God loves us. He disciplines us. He will yield fruit. So how will you, how will you know when we're in revival? Yeah. I think the beauty of, of repentance that brings revival, um, it actually ties back to what you were saying just a moment ago. And it was a fresh picture God even gave me of repentance. Cause to many people that sounds like a, a bad word, like a dirty word, or like we don't want to talk about it in the church because it feels so heavy. And I'm like, man, but the, the word says bear fruit in keeping with repentance. And man, the whole of revelation, every letter to the church involves, you know, what needs to be repented of. And um, so I'm like, this is clearly key in the whole equation. Um, but he gave me fresh perspective of it. And it ties right back to what you were talking about when you spoke of returning to our first love 
because what he, he revealed and opened my eyes to is repentance involves a, a changing of direction. It involves not just confessing sin and asking forgiveness. It, it truly involves allowing him to take that sin, to deliver us, to free us, and changing our mind, changing our direction. And what he said to me was, when I'm, when I'm calling you to repent, when I point out something, it's not for your shame. It's not for your squashing. It's not for your ruin. I am calling you back home, back to your true identity, back to my heart. And if you think about it, Adam and Eve in the garden, it was perfect intimacy with God. Right. And sin entered in, we took the bait of the, this offer of false freedom, of autonomy. And really what happened is we were just trafficked into a brothel. We just become enslaved to sin. And yet Christ comes on this great rescue mission to like bust down these brothel doors and illuminate these dark stalls of the places that we've just, these dark parts of our heart and this sin that we've lived with or just coped with or feel like we can't do without. In Christ, the work of the cross came to bust open these brothel doors. Tell me, it, tell me a little bit what you mean about brothel. Oh, girl, it's my like, whole third book. I get very fired up about okay. this. Okay, because I, in Hosea, it talks about we, you know, the whole Hosea thing. Yeah. The world's way, anytime we turn away from God and we go toward the world, we are being unfaithful to our husband, our first, exactly. our mate. Yeah. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. It's yeah. the okay. whole prophetic picture of what we can even understand when we look at the picture of uh, covenantal marriage, of intimacy within marriage, of um, sexual brokenness symptomatic response that would deviate from that. Uh, mm -hmm. You even spoke into the prophetic picture when you said when we're intimate with him, uh, he births things through mm -hmm. us. This goes on to the very intimacy with God. He sows good seeds. We bear good fruit. He births good works out of us. And if you take that picture, um, again, it's like my whole third book and I, my heart sets on fire even thinking about all of the parallels. But if you just look at um, the covenantal marriage piece, when you, um, if you just look at the beginning of that story, you see our, where perfect intimacy abided was in creation. God created man and woman, this physical manifestation of his very spiritual nature, different, unique, and incredible, and, and carrying such inherent value. And we knew perfect oneness within the garden. We were naked and unashamed. We stood bare before the Lord. Think of this on the spiritual front. Everything was seen. Everything was known. It wasn't until sin entered in that, that Eve was deceived. And we, she chose for herself what was best for her, which we all do in our own lives. I mean, we're born in the inequity, but we also choose these things. Mm -hmm. um, that that perfect intimacy was broken. Really what happened is I saw this picture. It's like we, we, we left from beneath our father's house. Like we left our, our <laughs> bed to basically crawl into the sheets with adulterous hearts with the enemy. We took this appeal, this offer of this false freedom mm -hmm. of this autonomy 
and think about it in the natural. We leave our father's house and we spring into the world in college and it's this great offer of freedom, but we, we end up actually trafficked, deceived, and man, iniquity becomes our bedmate left and right, all different unclean spirits, all different forms of sin. I mean, it literally says in the text where we commune with Jezebel and we're thrown into her sickbed. The, the, the Bible uses this, this understanding and this picture of adultery as synonymous and prophetic to idolatry. Mm -hmm. to any other that we have put in the place of our maker, of the one we were made to know and be known by. And we, we, we live in this brokenness, but the, the, the covenant, the cross, was Christ's marriage covenant with us to mm -hmm. say, no, you are mine and I am yours. And I have laid down my life. I am bridegroom. You are bride. We are, I, I've come to rescue you from all of this iniquity. Because inevitably, when we're trafficked into that brothel, when we're living in sin, it's killing us. It's crushing us. It's, it's stealing, killing, and destroying our very lives. And yet he, he comes on this great rescue mission and he makes covenant with us us again and calls us his bride, which it's like, seriously, the rebellious adulteress like me, like <laughs> that grace, that mercy is the very definition of what we see in Genesis when it speaks of Adam and Eve in the creation, in the first marriage it says that this is why a man will leave his father and mother's house and be joined to his wife. And the two will become one flesh and they will be naked and unashamed. Well, this was the gospel being prophesied even in creation. Because what happened is we're trafficked out, we're in misery, we're in sin. And Christ left his father's house to come and to be joined to his wife, his bride, the ecclesia, all who would put their faith in him. And in that they become one. And in that intimacy, again, the work of the gospel is that one day, again, think on the spiritual front, we will stand naked and unashamed again. I'm not hiding behind the fig leaves. There's no sin. There's no shame. There's no, no lie. There is nothing mm. that is hindering me from you because you came and received me. I was, is it, is it Hagar who was, was the, the adulterous wife? Is it Hagar? Who am I thinking? I think it's Gomer. 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 Yeah. Gomer. What a name. Um, but I think it's so beautiful because this shows and reminds us in the gospel story, man, he is a faithful bridegroom and he made covenant with us and he will always keep his word. will always hold his vow. will always be there. Love us. We stay under the shadow of his wing. He is with us and for us. Nothing can come against that covenantial love covered by that bridegroom. Right. And even sometimes walking in our faith, we become again, the adulterous bride. Yes. Great invitation of the gospel is, will you abide? Will you be faithful too to the very covenant you made? Because it's not just a grace pass. Keep going, living how you want. Run back to the brothel if it makes you an extra buck. Like that's not how the gospel works. He says, I've set you free 
and again reminded you of your true identity. Come back to the garden. Come back home. It's this, I mean, I just think of myself in college and my brokenness and my mess and my reputation and like my heart sometimes just longed for home. (laughs) I just want to come go home because this is not even me and I can't even understand what I'm living in yet I was enslaved to it. Yeah. But this is a great gospel invitation of repentance, of, of turn around, change your mind. It's a doorway to intimacy. Repentance yeah. is a doorway to intimacy. Yes, exactly. And the beauty, this was a long-winded way to say this, but the beauty is that if we will allow that work to take place in our heart of repentance, of refinement, then revival will come mm-hmm. even under our hearts. Mm-hmm. And how are we going to see revival? When are we going to see revival? I ask myself the question almost every night in prayer. Of when does this go global? When is this corporate? Right. When do we see the bride truly refined and come alive? And all the time his answer is revival begins in the heart of man. And so a lot of the times our thoughts go, mine do, to like, how do we see this over the masses and he always brings it back down of Mm -hmm. you will see it when each picks up their cross and carries it when each turns their hearts back to me and that's like small fires being set that will start a wildfire yeah and when when all the small fires get together it's just one big blaze right exactly exactly and I pray that comes sooner rather than later I see moves of it even now Um, which is so encouraging. But again, revival begins in the heart. It begins in the individual. It begins in the home, in the marriage, in the family. It begins as we love our neighbors well. Um, And if everyone would pick up that commission and go and make disciples and multiply, the multiplication model that starts with loving our neighbor, uh, it wouldn't make it feel like only a few had to carry the mantle of Mm. revival over millions. You know, it would be when carrying their call and the small fires would start the blaze. Yeah. And Brittany, I wanted Mm -hmm. to tell you that just because you gave up being a lawyer, it doesn't mean that it's gone forever. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And God, God, there's no separation between the vocational and just lay ministry. We're all called to minister. Mm -hmm. And so, for someone listening who is in law school or whatever, it doesn't mean you have to stop law school to become or to start ministering. You can minister where you're at. Absolutely. You know? And so, well, I so appreciate you girls being on here with me. I could talk forever. Matter of fact, I was thinking when you, when you do, when you do your next series, you're doing the the fruit of the spirit and then the gifts of the spirit. I would like to have you guys back on for like the gifts of the spirit for sure. Sure. Um, But yeah, this was such a rich conversation. I'm going to like have a lot of notes to take. Could you not feel God's heart towards you in this conversation? He is a jealous lover and he wants you all for his own. Ask the Holy Spirit to stir that longing in your heart. He is your bridegroom. And truthfully, if you're a guy, it feels like that would be an awkward thing for you to wrap your mind around, but it's still true. We are his bride. He is our bridegroom. Let the past two episodes serve as a reminder that your real life is hidden with Christ in God, and he wants to be intimate with you. 
Hey, if you haven't already done so, please go to iTunes, wherever podcasts are that you listen to, and leave a five-star rating and let me know how this podcast has helped you in any way. If you don't think it's worth five stars, let me know why. Email me at julie at stuffofheaven.com. I have created this podcast for you, for radical growth and amazing transformation. See you next time.